Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it might be that you're joining me here. This is the Whole Child School Podcast with Job Isles. That is me, and each week I'll be giving you a quick practical guide to implementing practices from the Whole Child School Academy, or what we call the WCS Academy. It'll be short enough to listen to during your planning period or on your drive to school, or if you want, you can even have me join you for lunch once a week. We'll have a live episode later in the semester, so stay up to date with our website, wholechildschool.com, or follow us on Twitter, at Whole Kid School. And of course, if you have any topics or problems for which you would like some strategies, just send me an email, jobiles at wholechildschool.com. That's spelled J-O-B-I-L-E-S at wholechildschool.com. Or of course, get in touch with me on Twitter at WholeKidSchool. Each week, I will ask you to take an honest look at your current practices. And as we talk, I do hope I can change the way you think about some things and maybe even change the way you do things in your school, classroom, or district. So welcome. Let's talk. Well, how are you this week? I certainly hope you're doing well. I'm having a swell week. The weather is becoming more and more crisp each day, and I love the foggy sunrises that I get to see on my drive into work. And not only am I seeing the beautiful landscape as I drive in, but when I get to work, I'm seeing some really amazing relationships being solidified as we go from week to week. Teachers and students are both letting down their guard more and more each day. And as those relationships are being strengthened, it's incredible to watch how the behaviors also improve. And as the behaviors improve, it allows for greater learning to take place. It's such an exciting process to be a part of. But I must admit that, as you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns in the classroom. We do still have some growth points. And one of the things that I see over and over again that I believe is an opportunity for growth for so many of us educators is when kids aren't meeting what I'm going to call minor expectations. For example, when a child doesn't have what they need or or isn't meeting one of these minor expectations, is it really necessary for us to shame them? Let me be clear, it is always appropriate for us to let someone know when they are guilty of not meeting expectations. But to shame someone for not meeting expectations, especially when we're talking about a child, it just isn't necessary. And it can destroy those relationships that I mentioned before, those connections that we've worked so hard to build. Suppose you've got a student and once again they come into class and they don't have their pencil. You've probably read the classic article, but let me run it down for you real quick. The child comes in and we're into the 45th day of school, perhaps. And for the 45th day in a row, they don't have their pencil or it's not sharpened. Or maybe they still don't have any paper. Or perhaps the note that you sent home for them to get signed on the first day still has not been returned. Maybe they once again don't have their library book like they're supposed to on Tuesday. Regardless of what it is, what's our goal When we have a student in class, 
If you're sitting in some classrooms and you watch an interaction where a student has for the 40th or 50th or maybe even the 100th time at this point not come to class prepared or isn't meeting one of these minor expectations and you see the way that the teacher responds. Oh, okay, Job. Well, I guess, sure, go ahead, go get another pencil. I mean, you haven't had it any the other days, so why would I expect you to have it today? Or maybe you've heard a teacher say something like, does anyone have a piece of paper for Job to borrow? He, he doesn't have paper again. Anybody? Oh, there you go, Job. Lauren just gave you some paper. Yeah, I'd say thank you too for the 40th time. Now, the facts of the matter are that Job has come to class completely ill-prepared for 40 days in a row. He's not ready. He doesn't have his paper or his pencil. He doesn't have his Chromebook charged, or maybe he didn't even bring his charger like he's been told to bring every day. It's true. And so in that sense, Job is guilty of not meeting expectations. That's a fact. And we do not want to pretend that he is meeting expectations when he's not. That is not helping Job. That is not loving him well. But is it loving Job well to shame him like that? I want to differentiate here between guilt and shame. You see, guilt is when we've done something that hasn't met expectations or didn't meet the mark, and we look at it and we recognize it as true that we didn't meet the mark. Job, you didn't bring a pencil again. Well, first of all, it's not that Job doesn't know that. He knows he didn't bring a pencil. He knows he doesn't have paper. He knows his Chromebook isn't charged. He knows that once again, he forgot his charging cable. And so in that moment, when we throw a spotlight on it and make sure that he knows, make sure that his classmates all know, make sure that he feels bad about it, that is not simply saying, Job, you're not meeting the mark. That's saying, Job, you're not meeting the mark feel bad about not meeting the mark. Be embarrassed about not meeting the mark. But someone might say, well, what if that gets Job to finally bring his charger or his pencil or his paper or his charges Chromebook last night? That argument, as you probably know, is what's called the ends justifying the means. So I ask you, is that how we want to operate our classroom? That as long as we get a student to behave the way we want them to behave, to meet that expectation, whether it's minor or major. If we can just get them to meet that expectation, who cares about the means of reaching that end? Is that how we want to operate? I'll go ahead and let you know and be upfront with you. That's not the way I'm going to operate in my classroom or in my school or with my own children. Think about that for a moment. I think sometimes... We treat other people's children in ways that we would never treat our own children or, or children that we're close with outside of school. We try not to shame them. We try not to embarrass them. We try not to make them feel terrible about something they already know they didn't do in the way they wish they would have done. Rather, I think that most of the time, we're going to take that child, we're going to let them know, hey, You do know I need you to not annoy your sister that way. Okay, then you got to stop. What do you need from me? Because we got to stop this. You see, we're still letting our children know that's not okay. We didn't make the mark. But our goal isn't to make them feel terrible about it. 
And so I take us back to that question I asked earlier, what is our goal? Again, it seems like in the classroom at times when a student doesn't meet the mark, doesn't meet expectations, it seems like the goal is simply to make them feel terrible about it or to get that short-term result of behavior modification. Just, Just bring your pencil tomorrow. I don't care if I have to shame you to do it. Just bring your charger tomorrow. Just bring your computer fully charged tomorrow. I don't care really what you feel like. I just need it to happen. You see, when I put it that way, I think I think most of us would say, well, no, that's not the way I feel, and I believe you. I believe you. I don't think that's the way we want to make students feel. I think that the overwhelming majority of teachers do need students to meet expectations, even the minor expectations, because here's the deal. It is annoying when a student over and over again doesn't come to class prepared, when a student shows up and their Chromebook isn't charged when they don't have a pencil, when they don't have paper, when they aren't ready to learn, as we call it in our school district. But but what's the goal? The goal is for them to learn today. The goal, if you'll remember a few episodes back, is what do they need from me right now? Just what do they need right now? And so I want to give you a few suggestions of how can we handle this? What are some practical ways to handle this when we have a student who consistently is not meeting these minor expectations? We give them a charger. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that in any situation we just hand them a charger and that solves all the problems. Obviously, that's not what I mean. What I simply mean is whatever they need in the moment, we give them. If their Chromebook isn't charged, go let them plug it in and they work at their chair next to the plug-in. If they need a charger and they didn't bring theirs, give them a charger. If they need a piece of paper, there's a stack of paper in a certain location, always in the classroom, and they know if you don't have paper, you simply raise your hand, hold up the number two or three, whatever your signal is, and then when I acknowledge you, you go and you get a piece of paper. Or if you're in the secondary classroom, you know where the chargers are, you know where the plug-in is you're allowed to use. We've already had that conversation. You know where the paper is. Go get a charger. Go get a piece of paper. Give the kid a charger. Now, that may just run all over you, this idea that, well, I guess we're just not going to hold kids to any kind of expectation anymore. We're just going to let them show up completely unprepared. That's not going to work in the real world. You have to show up to work, ready to work every day, or it's not going to go over very well. I agree. I agree with you 100% that if what I just described is all we did, we would be doing them a tremendous disservice. And that's why, if we notice a pattern that every day Job's having to get a pencil and it happens too many days in a row for your standard, whatever that is, then we pull Job aside. Hey, Job, I noticed you've had to borrow a pencil or a charger or plug in your computer every day or or grab a piece of paper every day. What can we do to change that? Because I don't want you to have to do that every day, and, and I want to help you to become better prepared for learning each day. Because as you know, Job, it it's not always going to be the case that people are going to give you what you need when you don't show up prepared. So if Job is an elementary student, maybe we talk to him about how as he gets older and goes into middle and high school, he's going to need to have better organizational skills and come to class ready. Or if he's in middle and high school, we talk to Job about how when he gets his first job or when he goes to college or trade school, when he goes into the workforce after high school, 
that he's going to need to be able to show up to work fully prepared. And so we want to help him develop those skills. And so we ask Job, what do you need from me to change this? Is there anything that your parents or your your granny or your caregivers, is there anything they could do to support you in making sure your laptop is charged each night? Maybe we could ask your mom or dad or granny or caregiver to set a reminder on their phone each evening or each morning. Maybe we need to set a reminder on your phone for a certain time. He hears the alarm and then they say, oh, the alarm went off, grab your charger. And after a while, it won't take very long before when that door opens, he'll associate that with, oh, grab your charger. Or maybe Job lives in a household where he's not going to get that support from mom, dad, granny, caregiver. Perhaps they're going to say, nope, this is Job's responsibility, and they're not going to help him remember a charger or to charge his laptop or to bring a pencil or paper. In that case, we have an unbelievable opportunity to show Job a little extra grace. And we say, okay, you know what, then here's what we're going to do. It's still your responsibility to remember to do this. But if you need to charge your laptop, when you get here at school in the morning, bring it straight here. I'll plug it in for you. If you need a pencil, the expectation is you get it on your way in the door. If you need a piece of paper, you grab it on your way in the door. Whatever that minor expectation is, we want to provide the support so that even if they can't get it from home, if they are learning the habit of personal responsibility when they arrive at school, that's really the most that we're able to do. Now, in a perfect world, I would say that we establish some school, family, relationships, such that there is a person who can go into the home, work with the parent or caregiver, and say, here's what we need to do to make sure Job is ready to learn tomorrow or every other day. But we're not there yet. Personally, I think that is the missing piece in public education right now, is supporting families so that students get the supports they need, so that they're ready to behave properly, so that we can maximize their learning in the classroom. So as you think about this, ask yourself, in my classroom, what is the goal? Guilt? Shame? Or give the kid a charger? As we wrap up this week's episode, I want to ask you, how will you put this into practice this week? Be specific and practical. Set a goal. Make a plan. Because remember, a goal without a plan, that's just a wish. I'm Job Isles. Thank you for joining me on this week's Whole Child School podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Music for Whole Child School podcast is from bensound.com.